BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Some founders go it alone. Others join insiders. Our Create and Cultivate membership program is an on-demand library of content like templates, presentations, downloadables, videos, and courses that answer all of your questions across budgeting, raising money, growing your audience, finding new leads, scaling revenue, growing and managing a team, and so much more. And if we don't have your answers, there's an amazing community of women to connect with, have been in your shoes, or are asking the same questions you have right now. And let's talk about perks. As an insider, enjoy a complimentary ticket to any Create and Cultivate event each year. Plus, score 20% off any other event. And when you do show up, breeze through fast track entry and claim your front row seat. Big dreams demand the best tools. We have them waiting for you. Join us at createcultivate.com insiders. No one should have to go it alone. Welcome to Work Party, the podcast where we are throwing out the rule book and bringing you real talk and hot takes on what is happening in the working world right now, because life moves fast. If we've learned anything from the past few years, it's that the only constant is change, and we can't pretend everything is status quo. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and it's hot take time, where we ask guests to let us in on a fresh POV that they feel super passionate about. From spicy money talk to unexpected relationship advice, love them or hate them, agree or disagree, these piping hot and sometimes controversial takes will get you thinking. So let's get into it. So Work Party, I was actually just telling Ali, started in 2017. So it's like one of the OG podcasts for podcasts were a thing. Um, we have over 3 million downloads and we really work to bring women into the fold to talk about all things money and wealth and building wealth and building businesses. So I'm so excited for our guest. She is a true entrepreneurial powerhouse who has weathered every storm on her journey to success. After working as a professional hairstylist for 15 years, she made a life-changing decision to step away from the salon and become a stay-at-home mom. Little did she know that pivotal moment would ignite the creation of a multi-million dollar business, and it certainly wouldn't be her last time in the salon. Her remarkable run with Drybar, a company she founded in 2010, lasted for nearly 10 years, culminating in a jaw-dropping sale for more than $300 million. But she didn't stop there. Today, she's not only an accomplished entrepreneur, but also the co-founder of Innovative Massage Concept, Squeeze, 
Julie Brand Beckett and Quill, and president of Canopy. The businesswoman and New York Times bestselling author continues to write her inspiring story, literally, with her new book, The Messy Truth, coming out this fall. Everyone check it out and pre-order. And for this live event, she'll be sharing the highs and lows of her entrepreneurial journey, the invaluable wealth management skills she's acquired along the way, and a sneak peek into what's on the horizon. So welcome, Allie. Thank you. We also have to add in co-founder of The Blueprint. Yes, yes. Our latest project. <laughs> yes, our latest Together. project. Yes, yes. So many titles, so little time. We're so excited to have you. So with this episode, we're doing a hot take, which is basically, you know, an interesting and unique perspective on something in your world. So can you share what your hot take is? Well, appropriately, it's on the cover of my book, too. It's like how I built a million dollar business, but almost lost myself, which, which pretty I, common. Yes. Yeah. I was like, who can relate? Yeah. Definitely <laughs> myself. And I think this is really one of the things I love most about you is that beyond building amazing businesses, supporting other women, you're very upfront about the challenges along the way, not just the glossy, beautiful, perfect image that we all see. So what was the moment you realized that, like that maybe you were losing yourself amongst building your businesses and empire? Well, as you know, I mean, the thing kind of, kind of gets away from you at some point, you know, it's like you're building, 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 growing, 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 and then you're like, oh shit. I don't really know what to do here. And that's really how I, we, we felt very early on. I mean, you know this because you've been to a dry bar a million times. Like when we first opened the shop in Brentwood, I mean, it was book solid from day one and we didn't have enough stylists. We, I mean, we, we were so underprepared. It was, it was laughable and you know, it was a great problem to have, but, but nonetheless a problem that we had to figure out. And you know, the list goes on of things that we didn't know that we didn't know as we were, you know, starting to build the business. And while it was amazing and we were on this like rocket ship and the thing grew pretty fast, it was also, it was easy. It is easy to get lost in the like, you know, this becomes your baby. I had two little kids at the time. They're now 16 and 18, which is nuts. But you know, you just kind of get lost in the business because you love it so much and you just can't stop thinking about it. It's why you know, I think Drybar made it and why, you know, so many businesses do make it because you have that passion that you just can't stop thinking about it. But, you know, the, the flip side of that is that you can easily get kind of lost and, you know, lost in like how you're running the business and the growth of the business, but just in yourself of like, wait a second, like I haven't worked out in three months and I'm eating like shit and I'm just not taking care of myself because I'm putting all my focus on the business. And so much of my book talks about that, how I, you know, put aside myself you know, for the business, which I think you kind of have to do on some level, but there's a balance, even though I have a chapter in the book called balance is bullshit, but I don't know. <laughs> well, okay. Let's dive into that. I don't have a good, I, love I, love that. That. I don't know what to say. Because <laughs> people always ask, you know, me, and I'm sure this is a question you could ask, talk to us about work-life balance. Yeah, and I, I feel like question. at first I would just lie and be like, you know, you just, you figure it out you go to the gym. <laughs> and after a while I was just like, yeah, there is none. Yeah, like, it's just, yeah. it's not it. It doesn't have, like, if you want to build and sell or raise against a business, like you have to be all in. Yeah. And it's not a healthy mix. And, and I think that's just the reality. But I always say, that being said, I loved every minute of it. Yeah. And I think you would agree with that. A hundred percent. I mean, I get asked the question a lot, and I'm sure you do too, of like, you know, what would you do differently? What do you regret? And I'm like, I don't regret any of it. I made a shit ton of mistakes, but I learned from those mistakes. And I know that's so cliche too. It's like, you, you know, you have to make mistakes to learn, but you, you actually do, you know, and there were so many things that we did that didn't work. And so many things that 
you know, we're such a disaster, but it really was how we learned. And the only regret I think I have is that I unnecessarily worried, you know, it's like I was so worried all the time about the whole thing imploding, about it not working. Yes. It wasn't going to work. This next door, it wasn't going to work. And the next door, it wasn't going to work. They aren't going to come, you know, but they always did. And, but I was always worried about it. And I think I could have saved, you know, myself a lot of gray hair by not worrying I was as the much. exact same. And I think no one talks about that because I think, especially when we were in the sales process, which felt like many, many years, I was just waiting. I was like, a, a green a hedge wall is gonna fall on someone and kill them in like our next event. I just know it. Like this is it and the sale's not gonna go through. And it was just like this constant oh, fear. Us too. Of failure, of something exploding to your point. Well, like, I don't know, COVID, I mean, that it was funny because I think I, I think this is in the book. My my brother Michael, who you know, uh, my business partner in Drybar, he worked at Yahoo when Yahoo was first starting. So he made a lot of money on paper. I think he's okay with me telling the story. I think it's in the book. <laughs> um, he didn't. You know, a lot of his friends made like you know, um, I don't crazy money, crazy yeah. money, and he didn't sell in time. You know, his stock, and so he didn't make quite as much money. And it was like a big blow. Yes, you know, compared to whatever he made. So when we were, you know, dry bar, we were raising money for dry bar. Michael was like, every time we raise money, we're going to take money off the table for ourselves, which I also don't think it's something people talk about. But no, a no. lot of founders do this, and they should. Because it's, you know, you're saving for a rainy day. <laughs> yes. You know, so we did take money off the table along the way. And my brother used to say, listen, like, you never know. The world could fall apart. Things could, I was like, what's going to happen? I mean, a for years. Pandemic. And then I was like, you fucking manifested COVID. Like, <laughs> you know, this I was like, you said something like this was crazy was going to happen. And, and, you know, we had to close all of our stores yeah, wow. for like almost, you know, a, a year. I mean, it was horrific to our business. Like, it, I mean, horrific. I mean, that's all in the book too, of like the, the whole like demise of that. It was bad. You know, I mean, we ended up selling the product division of our company, not the right. stores, you know, I mean, that was a whole other, I mean, it was like, you could have never imagined. And had we not taken money off the table, yeah, I would be, a, I'd be in a very different situation right now. Thinking about transforming your career, but don't know where to start. Well, guess what? It's never too late to make the change. And the good news is there are some incredible programs out there to help you kickstart your journey. Sometimes you just need the right tools to get started. If you're eyeing the world of business and want to pave your way to success, you'll want to keep listening. Meet Georgia Tech's Scheller's full-time evening and executive MBA programs, consistently ranked top 20 in the nation. In fact, the evening MBA programs is the number one part-time MBA program in Georgia. Whether you're interested in international business, sustainability, or the ins and outs of the supply chain, Scheller has you covered with 14 different concentrations to choose from. I know what you're thinking. This all sounds great, but what about the cost? You want to make sure your investment is worth it. Well, here's the deal. Scheller's full-time MBA program is ranked number one amongst top business schools when comparing total tuition costs with average starting salary. Tuition is over 50% lower than other comparably ranked programs. Scheller also offers scholarships and fellowship opportunities to women, making an investment in you and your MBA more accessible. They're all about career transformation. Scheller's MBA career services are ranked top five in the world six years running. Their advisors can assist you through one-on-one -on -one coaching, interview prep, resumes, and career development workshops, career fairs, and so much more. Plus, with its prime location in Atlanta's Tech Square, you have so many opportunities to gain real-world experience through practicums, projects, and internships. Women are leaders in the Scheller community and have many opportunities to build their leadership skills through student-led clubs, committees, events, and leadership development programs. At Scheller's, it's not just about professional growth, it's about personal transformation. 
Empower yourself with the essential tools to confidently lead at the crossroads of business and technology. Visit gtmbawomen.com to learn more about Georgia Tech Scheller's MBA programs. Hi, I'm Dr. Will Cole. As a leading functional medicine practitioner, I have had the unique position to see so many alchemize their pain and health problems to their purpose. Now I want the same for you. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers, where there is a fresh infusion of grace and lightness into wellness. This is the art of being well. Join me every Thursday for a new episode. What's wild is that I actually know a lot of women who raise and investors won't let them take money off the table. Because they're like, I think there is this like interesting stigma around giving women money that they feel like you're gonna take the money and run kind of thing. I've, I ran into but, that a lot. Yeah, I mean, our, our private equity at the time was Castanea, they're now Stride, but they were like, you know, their, their approach to it was like, we want you to have some money so you feel comfortable and yeah. good. And like, you know, there's some like fruits of your labor, but we don't want you to have too much money that you're not going to keep working Precisely. hard. And you, you have enough equity that you're going to keep working hard, which is exactly what we did. Yeah. Finding that balance is important. Also yeah. finding partners that believe in that is really important as well. So and I didn't even know that was a thing. You oh know, yeah. I, mean, I didn't know any of this. Oh before, yeah. You know, it's, bar. yeah, it's definitely a thing. I, it's a thing that investors don't want you to know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a founder. So anybody listening, <laughs> take ask, money. Yeah. Take money the off table. the table whenever you can. Yes. So how did you start to regain your sense of self? And would you say you only started once the company exited? No, I mean, I think it was for me, once we were like seven, eight years in, and at that point we had, you know, we recognized that we needed to hire people who were smarter than us, people who knew how to run and grow and scale an organization of the size that we had become. And so there was a little bit of feeling like, you know, my, my role in the, in the company had changed so much. And I, you know, and I was, you know, I was like in, starting to feel like a little bit in a weird place. Like I couldn't affect change as fast. Like we weren't as nimble and like all that, like did not feel good to me, you know, but obviously it's my company. I love it, but it was just like, it was in a different position. And, and really John Hefner, who is our, who was our uh, CEO, he's now the CEO of Summer Fridays, you know, when he, and he came in and he was really, you know, instrumental in helping me kind of move from, you know, being a founder who was like involved in every single thing to like enjoying it more, you know? And so I did start to like pull away a little bit. And then I got divorced from Cameron, who is my first husband and he's the creative mastermind behind Drybar. He's brilliant and so talented. And so that created more of like a sticky situation too. And there was a little bit of, I mean, we're great now and friends and all good, but but that, you know, that also like changed a lot, you know? So there was, that's when it's, things started to get messy. Yeah, and, and the messy <laughs> truth. And I think it's, um, there's a bit of an identity crisis when you start to get out of the day-to-day of your business. So like when a I stepped down as CEO, yeah. also got a divorce. <laughs> but like, I think all of a sudden you're like, who am I? What do I do? Well, that's, I mean, it's how I feel now. I mean, yeah. it, you know, I think, I think because I was still involved enough in the business that that part hadn't really hit but it was like percolating, you know, and then, then, you know, then COVID happened and then we did sell the business. And then I, now I was like, whoa, and I'm still in that. Like, you know, I mean, we have this fun mastermind, the blueprint mastermind, by the way, anybody who wants to get involved, but you know, and we have like all these fun, or I have a lot of fun projects. We have, we've started other businesses like Squeeze and Okay Humans and Bright Side. And we have a lot of businesses that I'm investing in and advising, but not in the day to day by choice. 
because I just don't have it in me to run a company again. But like, you know, who am I now if I'm not the founder of Drybar, mm. which is long. It's been my identity for a for long ev- time. Yeah, for yeah. a long time. And it feels like I only know myself like that. You know, it's a weird place to be. It's a weird place to be. But I, I want to talk a little bit about your investments, your portfolio, the companies you're advising. So you not only angel invest in a lot of different companies, yes. but you also you know, really take on these larger, you know, kind of high st- or larger stake roles, but you're not, again, not the CEO, not operating it. Talk to us about that strategy um, and what companies you choose to do that with, why and how, and maybe run us through a few of those companies. Yeah. I mean, squeeze our massage concept, which was really my brother's idea. And, you know, the, the irony of squeeze, it's a massage concept where you book and tip and pay on an app. So it's like the Uber Postmates of massage and you know it's like this seamless experience when you're done with your massage you walk out you don't have to worry about paying you know but it was my brother's idea because the same frustration that people had a you know in the reason we started dry bar was because there was like a discount chain or like a high-end spa and you were overpaying or you were like having a bad experience the same thing is true of massage it's like there's the discount chains they're cheap but they're not great the decor is bad you don't know what you're gonna get or there's spas that you're overpaying so we were like, why isn't there something in the middle? And so we created Squeeze, which is the same founding team as Drybar. And right now there's only like three or four open, one in Studio City, one in um, uh, Arizona, Nashville. And so we've, and then it's a completely franchise model and we've sold 70 or 80 units already. So you'll wow. start seeing them popping up a lot. Um, and, but again, when, when Michael came to me with this idea, I was like, yeah, I love it but I don't want to run it, yeah. you know? And so we went to Brittany Driscoll, who's the CEO and our co-founder who had run marketing at Drybar, And we said, hey, do you want to do this? And she loved the idea and loved the concept. And she's done just a brilliant job. And so, you know, for me, it was like, I loved, I loved the idea. I loved the concept. And I knew we would, it'd be a home run because it was like our same founding team and- Same formula, just yeah, different it's like, business. You know, yeah. I think what we're good at is building experience. You know, it's like, I tell people all the time, like you can take something that already exists and just make it a lot better, you know? And that's really what we did with blowouts and we've done it with massage now. And, and so we we're also doing that with, um, therapy. So we started a company called okay humans, which is like, you know, a walk-in therapy situation. It's in Brentwood right next to Susie cakes. The idea is that, you know, we're destigmatizing, you know, massage, uh, I don't even know what business I'm on, um, therapy so that people like, it just becomes like part of your daily use, you know? And then we started another company called Brightside, which is an infrared yoga studio that has infrared yoga and infrared saunas. And all of these businesses are, you know, kind of under this feel good umbrella, which we have like the parent companies, the feel good company. And Brittany kind of runs it. And Michael and I are on the board of all these companies and we've funded them, but we're, you know, taking a back seat which is a really nice place to be. We love a backseat. <laughs> Keep a back me seat. in the backseat. I don't I want mean, to get in the front seat. I mean, at this point. Yeah, yeah I don't want to no. be in the front seat anymore. Listen, when, <laughs> you know, you and I, we talk to, we mentor a lot of women and things like that. And like, I think yes. people are always shocked when you're like, yeah, no, it's 10 plus years in until you sell, like typically we'll sell a business or exit or have yeah. some sort of thing. And everyone's like, wait, ew, what? <laughs> it's funny too. When I, I, you know, Jacqueline and I also both talk on this platform called Intro that's amazing. And, I when I when I ask a lot of people I'm talking to like you know what their plan is like I want to sell in three to five years I was like good luck sister yeah you know that's what we said too I wanted to sell in three to five years it's just it just takes time yeah and I'm incredibly impatient but it took a lot of time and I imagine it at least on the Creighton Cold it took a long time to sell the company too it's like a, oh man tell yeah. us a little bit about that yeah I mean I think that we realized you know, Michael and I, that we did, and because of what I was saying about, you know, the company kind of had taken, 
you know, a different direction. And we had hired all these people and it was just a different company. And we were ready to kind of sell it or go public. And we were kind of going back and forth with what we wanted to do with that. Um, and ultimately we kind of broke up the company because it's two businesses, essentially like a product business and stores. And we went through a formal process and, you know, that is, it's almost like the dog and pony show you do when you're raising money. You know, it's like finding the right potential investors. And then, you know, it's, it's like deal fatigue. I mean, it's so real. I mean, it took us so long to get it across the finish line. And I say we, but I didn't, you know, that was not my area. You know, luckily Michael and, you know, our lawyers and CFO, and those were the guys that really ushered, and Steve Berg, who was, you know, from Castanea, they they really ushered that through. But it was like, I mean, I was getting like, you know, day by day updates of everything. It was just, it's excruciating, like how much stuff you go, excruciating might be too strong. But it's- No, it's excruciating. It's it's a lot. (laughs) I mean, it's a lot of like, and again, I was hearing all this secondhand from Michael, but I mean, it was just, I couldn't believe how long it took. I couldn't believe how many like things we had to figure out. And there's just like every little teeny tiny point of the business. So it's, you know, and to your point, you want to make sure everything keeps going on track. And like, you know, a lot of really important people in your company are now focused on this and they're not focused on the stores. I mean, I even feel that way about board meetings. I mean, that was a big shock to me too, once we had raised money and we had, you know, boards that, we now, everybody stops to, to fucking get You're ready for the board meeting. The board. And I was like, yeah. this seems counterintuitive to me, but I get it, I get it. But it was just frustrating that we, I was like, where is, where's Kim? Where is this person? Like, where are all my people? It's like, oh, they're getting ready for the board meeting. I was like, oh, well then everything just stops. Like, I didn't care about the board meeting, no offense, but you know, it was, it was just an interesting it dynamic is. that changes things. Selling yeah. your business is a full-time job. Yeah. And so running your business is a full-time job. Yes. Doing both at the same time is nearly impossible, <laughs> um, especially if you're a small team and you don't have like necessarily all the resources yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I know it it's a total, it's totally crazy. But then like you get it over the finish line and it is like the most amazing feeling. So walk us through like yeah. when that happened, like all the emotions kind of going through it because I mean, that's a long time. And yeah. it's not only like your brother's invested in it, your ex-husband, yeah. like there's a lot of like, yeah. there's a lot, a of, lot of family tied up in that too, which I can imagine is really emotional. Yeah, I mean, it 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 was very, I mean, I think it was like, we were happy to get it across the finish line at that point and it was just like a relief. Um, but then it was like, you know, someone asked me once, like, oh, how do you feel about selling your business? And I was like, no, I'm good. Like I was ready, it was good, you know? And they're like, well, but like spiritually, how do you feel about it? And I was like, what? And then I was like, oh shit. Yeah. And this is like when the identity stuff comes, you know, it's like, you're, I'm so proud of what we've built and I'm, but detaching from it. It's like, I literally just sent my son to college. He's 18. And you know, you send your kid to college, but then you still talk to them. And if you're like me, you talk to them a lot. Um, but you know, when you sell a business, if you're not involved anymore, which, you know, a lot of founders aren't, and I wasn't really asked to stay involved, which is, a whole other story, yeah. um, which I won't get into, but you, you know, you are like, oh, I don't, I don't have, I don't have any say anymore. And that was, you know, that was weird. It is still weird because I do, I, you know, it's like, I, I see a dry bar and I'm like, oh, it's my baby. It's like, it's so, it's so like connected to me as if I, like a child is, but I don't, but I'm, but I'm also like here, it's just an, it's an odd feeling. It is an odd feeling. It's, it still goes on without you. And there's things you yeah. probably see and cringe and there's things you probably see and are happy about. Yeah. And like, that is that, totally, but you are forever and always going to be the founder yeah. of Drybar. And yeah. like, that's just what it is. And it's, I mean, you know, I'm incredibly grateful that, I mean, for that Drybar has opened so many doors and so many opportunities. And I'm, you know, I'm so, so proud of, 
of what we've done. So, yeah. I mean, again, no, no regrets, just the growing pains of like it's, moving through and, and selling a business, you know, it's, it's not easy to get to that point. I mean, I, I think I recognize that more now, like how, you know, painstaking and painful that process was of selling the business that, you know, it is hard to get a business across the finish line. Oh yeah, it's, it's nearly impossible. Did you know that you can tell the difference between a laboratory grown diamond and a natural diamond? Laboratory grown diamonds are mass produced in factories in just a few weeks and are easily detected due to their distinct patterns. On the other hand, natural diamonds are over a billion years old and support the livelihoods of over 10 million people worldwide. The positive impact of natural diamonds is widespread, and around 80% of the value of every rough diamond remains in local communities and supports infrastructure, healthcare, education, and environmental protection. So next time you're thinking of celebrating a special moment in your life, remember that your natural diamond also protects vulnerable wildlife species and brings prosperity to many less fortunate communities around the world. For more information, visit naturaldiamonds.com. So obviously the exit from dry bar is a huge uh, moment for you. You branch out and start the feel good company. You're doing things like that. You angel invest. We're at a wealth management conference. Let's talk a little bit about your approach to wealth management. And, you know, you and I talk about this a lot, which I like, you know, I think like, you know, there's also this moment of once you come into like a big windfall like that, everyone's like, well, what's your plan? What are you doing? And it can feel so overwhelming. And I know like a lot of the bankers that we worked with were like, got to get a wealth manager. Like the first thing, like before the deal, you know, when the wire hits, you got to get the wealth manager. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then all of a sudden, everyone comes out of the woodworks once you get the headline. (laughs) Everyone wants to work with you. So tell us a little bit about your strategy with wealth management and how you diversify, because you clearly have irons in a lot of fires. Yeah, I mean, I I do have wealth management and I didn't know what that was before all this happened. Totally. And, you know, I've, I've, again, I have like people who know how to manage money and you know, leverage money. And, and I didn't know any of that and how that worked. And then I have a handful of, you know, investments that are like my more personal investments that are the ones I've done for like friends and family and people that I just believed in and wanted to invest that my, my guys don't love. Yeah. (laughs) You got to stop putting money in these companies. I'm like, I don't want to stop. I like, you know, and, and, and so I'll, I'll be a little more discerning. I'm a lot more discerning now. I think when, when we first sold, we, I first made money, I was like, I wanted and I still do want to give everybody money. Like, I'm like, I just want to give everybody money. I want to give everybody a chance. And, you know, and, and at some point you're like, I got to be smart with what, with what I'm investing yeah. in. And so, you know, I'm, I evaluate things a little more carefully than I did a couple of years totally, ago. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, in this economy, we have to. <laughs> but, but And I do, I call my financial advisor all the time yeah. about things, you know, about things that I'm interested in doing and get his perspective. And then sometimes I call just because I'm like, I'm, I'm spending too much money. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, and that whole conversation, which, you know, is a, is a real thing too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to, I want to get back to the book a little bit and like your approach to your hot take, which again, like, losing yourself in the business for entrepreneurs who are maybe in that first two or three, four years are starting to feel the, the pinch of losing themselves in their business. What advice would you give them? Well, I think it's also a different time now, yeah. right? You totally. know, it's, it's like so different. We were built, I mean, this is almost, I mean, we're almost 14 years into dry bar. And so I think there was no roadmap. I, I didn't have one, No, you know, and how long is Crane Culture set 2017? It's like 12 years yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we, um, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of like mentors, you know, or people to say anything about anything, you know, and it was like, 
was, lot, most businesses were owned by men back then. No offense, there's a lot of men here. Yeah. But, you know, it, it did start to shift. And now there's so many, you know, female-run companies, which is great. And so, like, what, you know, like when we talk to women, and I really like to say, to you know, to answer your question, like, you don't have to work yourself into the ground. You know, I think that there was this mentality that was like, oh, my God, I'm so busy. Like, I'm so busy. Like, that, like, I just can't, you know. And it's like, like as if it was cool or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think that that's not a badge of honor. Honor, You know, I think that it's it's more impactful and important that you are, you know, I, I just hate that we need a new word for balance. But you're finding some sort of, like, I'm, I'm, I'm consciously aware of not losing myself in what I'm doing, that mm. I am going to still go spend time with my family and I'm going to put my phone away, you know, for a couple hours and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make sure that I work out when I want to work out. I'm going to still see my girlfriends. I'm going to do all these things that, you know, that I really didn't allow myself to do because I was, you know, because it's, it's like anything. It's like when you're, you know, it's like, uh, like, uh, I'm trying to come this metaphor about like a fire. Like if you, you know, if you keep flaming the fire, it gets bigger. But if, you know, if you, it's like, if you don't allow for, the opportunity to like almost miss something, you know, then it's, 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 it's not even as good. It's like, you know, you want, you want an opportunity to like step away from it and then be excited to come back to it. You know, for me, I didn't, I, I burned out so quickly, so early because I never, I never stepped away and was like excited to come back. I didn't trust people at that point to like, if I wasn't a part of the business and, and wasn't like, you know, I mean, we had cameras in dry bars so we could like see what was going on. I was always watching the cameras. Like when I wasn't there, I was like a psycho, you know, it, but if, but what I now know that if I, you know, if, if I could have stepped away and trusted people earlier, I did eventually start to do that, you know, with a lot of coaching. But if had I done that earlier, I think I would have saved myself a lot of like stress and heartache and like just the things that go along with that. And and so, you know, that's the advice I would give to like anyone running that company now is like, do yourself a favor and like don't kill yourself. You know, work hard a hundred percent. But you you know, but but see your family and your loved ones yeah. and like be with from your kids. the beginning too, from, I think is right, the important as like a precedent. Thing. Like yeah. if, if you set that precedent, and I think that's the thing that's hard to break from, right? Is like if you've been doing it that way where you're looking at the cameras 24 seven and you're involved in every single thing, but you, and you know, all the mistakes that are happening, you become a day. It's an addiction in a and, way. And by the way, it's also like the company culture that you create. Yes. That's not great either. You know, it's like, I, you know, I was, I was so what I thought passionate was, you know, like, I, you know, but I was like crazy about everything, like being a certain way. And then it creates that like frenzy of like, everyone's like nervous, you know, versus the like, now I, now I'm a little more laid back and I'm a little like, I I want still things to be great, but I want everybody to like enjoy their job and not feel that, that nervous anxiety of like, oh shit, it's, it's not right. And it's, and we're going to get in trouble and everything's wrong. And you know, it's like, it's so much more fun when everyone's a little more laid back and still works hard and enjoys their job, which, you know, can be some, sometimes a hard balance for employees, but I think it does start from the top and your, how you act it trickles down without a doubt I think we were very similar in like our approach but I also think it was a a symptom of what we had experienced in the job market probably before we had become entrepreneurs which was sleep at your desk first one like if you're the first one to leave you're not doing the the hardest work here and it was just that constant culture of to your point the busyness epidemic the the hustle culture all those different things so you know, we've seen that change so much over the years. And like, I think embracing that has been a big part of that. 
make your next getaway without ever losing sight of your wellness routine. At Weston Hotels, uncover signature offerings that help you move, sleep, and eat well, all while you're on the go. With more than 200 locations around the world, Weston is dedicated to elevating your well-being no matter where you are. Maintain your fitness routine and get moving at the Weston Workout Fitness Studio, filled with state-of-the-art equipment. You can even elevate your workout experience without stepping outside your hotel room. Simply request fitness and recovery gear to be delivered straight to your door on demand. For those of you who prefer outdoor workouts, don't miss the opportunity to join a group run led by Weston's Run Concierge, accompanied by an expert running guide. After your workout, recharge and eat well with Weston's Eat Well menu, designed with foods that make sure your nutritional needs are met. Weston chefs have crafted dishes with your well-being in mind, making it easy for you to continue nourishing your health no matter the destination. When relaxation calls, recharge your body and mind with restorative sleep in Weston's renowned heavenly bed and enhance your experience by unwinding with Weston's Sleepwell Lavender Balm, an aromatic blend of lavenders and chamomile oils. Weston Hotel and Resorts is part of Marriott Bonvoy, an extraordinary portfolio of hotel brands and award-winning ex-travel programs. At Weston, wellness is seamlessly a part of your stay, enabling you to move, eat, and sleep well. Visit weston.com to book your stay today. So in writing the book, the second book, uh, from a completely new perspective and lens, what were some of the things you learned about yourself in writing it? Well, it's, it's very cathartic and going back through it. You know, I think that I... I, you know, I feel like there's, there's so many, as I went back through the book and I had to like kind of go back through all the different stages, you know, it was like, it's, it's interesting how many lessons there were, you know, along the way and how many things that I now, you know, know about raising money, about customer service, about scaling a business, about hiring. And, and there's so many, there were so many lessons that were coming out me that I was like, wow, I haven't thought about that in so long. And they're all really important. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, from like taking the phones out of the stores and like, you know, partnerships that went bad that we had to figure out how to like do better the next time, you know, like sending all of our employees to every store opening. That was a bad idea. (laughs) You know, I mean, there was so many things that were just not, didn't make sense in the long run, but it's funny going back through them and being like, man, there was, you know, it's, it, there, it's just crazy how much you learn as you go. And, and yes. all of those lessons of like what worked and what didn't work. And, you know, my own, I think looking back on it, like, you know, kind of what I was talking about before, like, you know, my, I remember my brother sitting me down one day and saying like, everyone's really scared of you. <laughs> and I was like, what? What do you mean? It's because I think as like the founder or CEO, you're usually the last person to know that. And yes, everybody else no one's knows telling it. you that. And you're like, and it's, I needed my brother to tell me that. And he was like, yeah, everyone's kind of scared of you. And I was like, what do you mean? Be- he's like, because you come in the store and you lose your mind because the floorboards are dirty. The music's not loud enough. You don't like the way that people were greeted. I mean, the list goes on. And I would be pretty vocal about that stuff, you know, and I, and I realized that that wasn't a smart approach that I needed to like, because, you know, the poor girl at the bartender at the front desk might've just been like, you know, someone who works like 13 to 15 hours a week. And she's like, I don't, you know, and, and, you know, it was like, it was a conversation for the manager or the district manager, but I just in the moment I would get on the floor and start cleaning floorboards, which made everybody really uncomfortable, which I still don't understand why I was like, (laughs) if they're just dirty, I'm going to clean them. Like, you know, because, because that goes back to my philosophy of like, there's no job too small. Like totally. I've cleaned the bathrooms lots and lots of times at dry bar. And I wanted that culture of like, we will all do whatever needs to get done. There's no, I don't like hierarchy. Like, you know, and so I didn't want there to be a lot of 
this like culture of like, oh, I don't do that, you know? So I wanted to do everything. So I thought in my mind, when I walk in a store and things aren't the way I want them to be, I'm just going to do them and show people that anybody will do anything. But, you know, unfortunately that didn't always bode well because everyone was just nervous and on edge and you know, so I really had to like learn how to adjust as a leader. <laughs> I'm the same. I'm just oh dying. Like literally me <laughs> at Creighton Cold just like picking up trash, like directing people. I'm like, lunch is this way. Lunch is this way. Yeah, you just can't help yourself. You can't help yourself. But like t- totally to your point, like it does create this culture of like, oh God, is she like pissed? And then everybody's me? scared of you all the <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, totally. And I, you know, and I didn't, I don't want that culture. I didn't want that, you know, so I had to we're really like- We're not scary. Like, I know, we're, we're so nice. I'm so nice. But you do, and you know, what what you think is like, what you feel like is passion and like devotion yeah. is, is is often interpreted as, you know, she's scary. Insanity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so what can we expect from the book? When is it coming out? Tell us everything. So it launches November 14th and um, it's on pre-order now. And it's, it's really my whole journey of building and growing and scaling and selling, you know, how we started, how... We, you know, all how we hired, what hires worked, what hires didn't work, like all the little lessons that I could th- remember. And it's a, it's a pretty full book yeah. of like everything that I learned. And, you know, I didn't go to college. I don't have a business degree. You know, it was a lot of learning on the job. And I feel like now I have like a master's in business from running this business. And, um, and then there's a lot of like the personal stuff kind of intertwined in there too, because we take ourselves wherever we are. And when we have, you know, personal stuff going on, that's hard. It, it, it does come into whatever you're doing, you know? So there is a little bit about my, my personal story and my son who's 18 and doing great now, you know, he, when, when him and his, his, when his dad and I got divorced, he really went off the rails and he went into rehab and there's that whole part of it. And like the parenting part and like the balance between parenting and running a business and all that. So it's a, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of trauma in there. No, I mean, I, it's very, it's real, you know, it's very real. It's very vulnerable. I think also there's a lot of working women who look up to you and, and working mothers who are like, how did she do it? And it's not easy. It's not perfect. And I think it's great to share your story and be able to, again, share the messy truth of what it actually takes and what happens. Yeah. I mean, that's why I love the title so much because it is, I mean, it's, you, you, you can't find somebody who wouldn't tell you like their life isn't messy in some ways. I mean, nope. And if they tell you they're lying, if they tell you it's not, they're lying. I mean, there's always something. I mean, someone once bought us a -a whack-a-mole like, you know, the machine, the yeah. thing, the game, someone bought us that for our office, which was like the greatest thing. Cause I was like, this is the, this is the epitome of our lives. It's like, this thing is going good. And then there's a fire over here and this thing is going, and then there's a fire over here, you know? And it's like with kids and marriage and business, it's just, there's always something that is not working quite right. You know I mean? Obviously sometimes it's worse than others. I mean, my son going to rehab was pretty rough, you know yeah. I mean? That was a big one, but, but it, you know, just like anything in life, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. I mean, right. And it seems crazy saying that, but you know, I mean, he is so evolved and it's like, it, it's like, it was like human school for him. You know, yeah. it's like he learned how to express his feelings Hoping. and he learned how to talk about things and he learned how to communicate with us and how to just in general, I mean, it did wonders for him. So, you know, I mean, it's like every, it's like, you also have to like roll with it and, you know, and we did what we had to do and it was, and it was rough for a while, but 
we got through it and he's better for it. We're all better for it. You know, it's just messy. It's all messy. Yes. And, <laughs> but and it's the, beautiful. It's like a beautiful mess. It's, you know? a be- it's a beautiful mess. And it's it's always good to share that because I think people from the outside are probably like, her life is perfect. And yeah, there's so much more underneath. Yeah, yeah. Underneath the surface. <laughs> so let's end with some rapid fire. What is oh, I love a, rapid fire. Okay, <laughs> let's go. What's the pro- productivity hack you swear by? Um, probably my calendar. I mean, I know that doesn't sound like it's just like, I live and die by the calendar. It's like, if it's not my calendar, it does not happen. It does not exist. It's like, if you want me to read uh, like uh, something, put it in my calendar. It's got, everything goes in my calendar. I love that. I'm, I'm the same way. Um, what is the number one thing you look for when making an angel investment? Well, I'm better about looking at the numbers now. Yeah, like financials. <laughs> three years ago, I would have said, ah, it's a gut feeling, passion. And it is, it is certainly that. And I, you know, but it's like, now I look at it like, what is like year over year growth? Who's in place in the company? Like, you know, and I've, I've talked to a lot of founders, you know, then they're at a point in their business, they want to raise money. I was like, but you don't have anybody who knows what they're doing in this company. Mm. You know what you're doing to a certain extent. And that's great. And like, I knew what I was doing to a certain extent, but you need people who actually know how to do this, you know, that's what investors are going to look for. That's now what I look for is like, there's somebody who's like at the table who knows how to do this, who's done it before. I mean, not that it has to be that way every time. And there are certainly unicorn situations, but I think by and large, you do need that. And what's the best financial decision you've ever made? Probably to take money off the table early on. Yeah. Write it down, take notes. I love it. Yeah. And then just be, you know, I would say the second part to that is like, just be, you know, cognizant of what you have and what you're spending. I'm very aware of what I spend. And I, you know, I'm, I'm very, I, I keep track of that stuff. And I did when I had like a budgeting app, you know, like 20 years ago when I had like, I could spend this amount of money and it was like $300, yeah. you know, and it doesn't matter where you're at in that, just as long as you're making sure that you're, I'm a big believer in live inside your means, like yes. don't overextend. Yes. Yes. But we're getting a Malibu house, aren't we? I know, <laughs> but we are. we are. Well, Ali, can you tell everyone where they can follow you and buy the book? Yes. You can go to aliweb.com or you can go to my Instagram where there's, you know, all my, all my, all my projects and all my businesses, but yeah, that's the best Amazing. place. Amazing. Yeah. Yay. And you can get it on book, Amazon and all those great places. Yeah. Thanks, Ali. Yeah. Hey, Thanks. Hey, just real quick. There's a few questions here. Do you guys oh, want to answer oh, them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Oh. Can where? you see that up there oh. or no? I can oh, read I got you. Got it. Okay. In crazy times when you can't do things that normally make you feel grounded, what do you do to get by? Like, I guess like meditation, maybe, you know, a walk. I'm a big walker. I mean, I, I think that's the nature of the question. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's almost like self-care. Like I, you know, for me, it's like I fresh air, nature, music, meditation. I walk my dog a lot. Yes. You know, it's like, for me, walking is like Getting when outside. my brain works the best. I love that. I would say similar things. What would you say was the most surprising thing about your introduction to wealth management financial advice? Probably like, it's just not, it's not, it's like confusing to me. It doesn't like, I need to be really, I, 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 my financial advisor was somebody that was like a family member who was knew somebody like I really wanted it to be somebody I trusted because I don't, I get like the broad strokes and I, I understand. And I'm, I asked my financial advisor and God bless him. He's so great to like really break that shit down for me. Cause I want to really understand yeah. it, but I want somebody that I really, un- that I really trust. Yeah. You know, and I feel that. So I think that was like, you know, I mean, I guess the surprise is that you just, you hear these like terrible stories about people losing their money and someone taking advantage of that and them. And I'm, I'm very scared of that. So I wanted it to come through someone that I really knew and trust and had a reputation and 
you know, managed other people's, people's money, money that I yeah. knew that I, and my, my guys do. Like it they, is a word of mouth industry. Anyone is. I talked to was through someone else that, you yes. know, swore by their wealth manager. And I basically said when I went in, I was like, I want the CFO of my life. Like, I want you to be like, when yes. I, should I buy this house? And what's this mortgage? Should I do that? Should I trade that? Where are we at? Like, yeah, all I mean, those different I, things. So I have like my wealth management people and then I have, you know, my day to day people who run and they are also, they talk a lot, you know, yeah. it's to make sure everything is like, in motion. in motion and like if you know managing the money that's coming in and it, I mean all the things so it's you know and I have I've had the same team for a lot of years and I and I really trust them implicitly and I think that's you know it's like the relationship like anything is, yeah. is really important so, and I know important. I can text my financial advisor and be like so what is it that you know and yeah I'm like I'm gonna call you the text <laughs> yeah. relationship is key I yeah. would say always like I love texting <laughs> doctors like yeah, you're like, I want to text all the people <laughs> yeah. in my life. I love it. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Allie. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Party. If you like what you heard, follow, leave a review, rate the pod, or slide into my DMs. Check out our membership program, Insiders, designed for go-getters and game changers like you. Sign up today at createcultivate.com. Follow us at Work Party and at Jacqueline R. Johnson on all platforms. And be sure to head to createcultivate.com to keep up with all the latest events, content, and community designed to help you level up your life and career. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.